This podcast is brought to you by BrunerAcademy.com, your online resource for the best public speaking, presentation, storytelling skills courses. Become a rock star communicator in any setting. Visit BrunerAcademy.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and my guest today is all about living her best life and helping others do the same through healthy eating. She believes making a commitment to your health doesn't mean skipping dessert. Gotta love that. (laughs) This former architect turned entrepreneur has created a plant-based food company called Noosley 118. Angela Hoffman, welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. I'm so excited to share my story with you. As in, we are delighted to hear it. What is Noosley 118 all about and the products that you create and sell? We are a plant-based food company based in Cambridge. For us, it really is about bringing food back to its basic ingredients and not over-processing, but really bringing out the best that whole foods and plant-based foods has to offer us for health, for our environment, and for our communities. Explain the name of the company because Noosley 118 has a very specific meaning. Can you explain to us what it means? Noosley is actually a Swiss word that means nuts. The base of all of our products are nuts and seeds. We also are really inspired by a Swiss doctor back in the early 1900s who used plant-based foods as a means of healing his patients. He was really a pioneering doctor in his time. Now we hear about the plant-based movement and how important it is to incorporate plant-based foods into your diet for health. But back at the turn of the last century, that was really cutting edge. He was such an inspiration. And 118 means that all of our products are raw, meaning they haven't been heated above 118, which when you start to heat foods above 118, you start to destroy some of the heat-sensitive vitamins, as well as the enzymes that are found in raw foods, which help you digest your food. And muesli is not to be confused with muesli, which we've heard about, which is a wonderful grain cereal, right? Yeah. Muesli was this doctor's invention. Oh, really? He actually fed it to his patients as a really healthy breakfast with nuts and seeds and fruits all mixed together. I love muesli. We'll have to talk about how I can get some of your muesli. Okay. I also know that your husband is Swiss and German. So that kind of incorporates a little bit of your heritage and his heritage in the name of the company with Noosley. And you just explained a little bit about why the Swiss are such an inspiration when it comes to this kind of a plant-based movement. How did you first learn about the Swiss background? It's really interesting. Back when I was turning 40, I started having a lot of health issues. I went to my doctor asking, what should I do about my sleep issues, my digestion issues? I had a lot of little problems with my health that added up to me really not being able to enjoy my life. I was diagnosed with prediabetes. The doctor pulled out his prescription pad and he started writing prescriptions for sleep and for digestion issues. And I was scratching my head saying, okay, well, I know I have all these issues, What can I do about them besides taking all these prescriptions? You hear diet and exercise are the way to health. And for me, it really was true. I took a deep dive into nutrition and realized that my standard American diet was not doing me 
any good. It was pretty much taking away my health. Mm. I started eating more plant-based foods. I actually tried raw veganism for a while, which was really (laughs) difficult. In all of that, I learned that plants really do provide so much nutrition. And for me, it was a way back to my health. And I don't have diabetes today, you know, 20 years later. Wow. I feel better actually now than I did when I was turning 40. That's amazing. And, And you bring up an interesting point because there are a lot of people who are trying and experimenting with all kinds of different diets, whether it's vegan, gluten-free, plant-based, etc. And I'm curious, because you've changed your diet, what was your diet when you were growing up? What foods were you eating as a kid? Yeah, so it's really interesting. My mom was a super health nut back in, you know, the 60s. And I actually grew up eating more vegetables and I ate brown bread. And so it was really kind of interesting because I I was raised on a healthier diet, but not necessarily the healthiest diet. Everybody's different, right? Like everybody's body is different. So what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another person. Right. We ate a lot of grains growing up. And as it turns out, I'm gluten sensitive. (laughs) Wow. So you can imagine, (laughs) you know, years and years of eating lots of grains, granted they were whole grains, but for my body, it wasn't exactly the best diet. I always say health and eating, you know, and what's good for you is so individualized and you really do have to listen to your own body when it comes to health. Despite the fact that I was eating a healthier diet, it wasn't the right diet for me. And that's what I think is so fascinating is that everybody's body is so completely different. And some people do well being vegan, some people don't tolerate it and, you know, and vice versa. So you started off learning about your own body's health and learning what foods worked for you. You started making foods then for your family. Then friends wanted your treats. But at that same time when you were doing this, you were working as an architect. So what was that world like? And how did you make the transition from being an architect to launching your own business? It was all pretty organic. I started, like you said, just making food for myself, then for my friends and family. Everybody was like, oh my God, I want that chocolate pecan square for my party. And I was like, okay, this is getting a little bit (laughs) overwhelming. Something has to give, right? Because I had a young family. I was doing architecture. I had this passion for being in the kitchen and for feeding my friends and family because I felt so much better. I wanted everyone else around me to realize how good it can feel to be healthy. You know, I started finding out about farmer's markets and I was like, I wonder if I, you know, just do a few farmer's markets on the side and then that snowballed and, you know, I had to find a kitchen and I'm like, okay, I guess this is time for me to make a career change. I just took the dive and I was really enjoying being out there, helping people with their minor health issues with food. So one thing just led to another. Sounds like you're having more fun. I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. (laughs) Being in the kitchen versus sitting at a desk. I don't know. I kind of think that's more fun. (laughs) That is one of the things that being with people, engaging with people, on a larger scale has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Creating recipes is also really fun for me. It's really easy though. I don't have to tell you this, Angela, to launch a business. And as a woman and being African-American, how hard was that for you? And what were some of the biggest challenges early on? You know, it's really interesting because we all are different and we all have different paths. I didn't really realize the struggles 
that I was facing, even though I was facing them, right? Because they're my struggles. It's my journey. And when I started my business, I didn't know anything about business. I was pretty inward focused, even though I was out at farmers markets and things. I was day by day building my business and it felt okay. And then the pandemic hit. That really woke me up to all the issues that I was facing. You know, I thought, oh, entrepreneurship, it's really hard. Everybody says it's hard. It's hard for me. I get it. I'm not paying myself. I'm paying my staff, but I'm not paying myself. Everybody has those same problems. But then when the pandemic hit, not only for me, but for everybody, it opened their eyes to the fact that as a woman, as a woman of color, we do face challenges that other people just don't face. In that challenge, I realized that it really taught me that I really needed to start working outwardly, reaching out for help, working collaboratively with other businesses and other organizations. It was a real awakening to not only the struggles that I faced, but the opportunities Mm -hmm. that I could have if I reached out. I remember reading a story that said that you were trading vegan seed crisps for a round of acupuncture. (laughs) And that's really, that's getting creative when you have to in those early days, right? Right. Yeah. And you really do. It's one of the things that I love about running my business, that whole process. It's not just about being creative in the kitchen, but it's also being creative in how you keep the lights on and how you pay your staff and looking at the opportunities that come your way and taking advantage of them in the best way possible for the time. Yeah. Let's talk about your products because there are a couple of things I wanted to touch on. Number one, you don't bake or fry anything. That's right. Why is that? Why is that important? I think you dehydrate, right? We start with whole nuts and seeds. We sprout them, which means we soak them in water for anywhere from four to 24 hours. And that starts the germination process. In that time, you release nutrients for the plant to start to grow. And you also activate enzymes, which helps Mm. the plant to grow. Those nutrients and those enzymes are also really good for us. It helps us digest food and it also helps us ease digestion. And then in order to get the textures that we want, rather than baking or frying, which would heat the foods above 118 degrees and destroy those enzymes, which help us digest our foods, and it also destroys some heat-sensitive vitamins like vitamin C, we want to retain all those. We use the traditional method of dehydration to create really nice textures from soft and chewy to crisp and crunchy. So fascinating. There was one tip that you said you learned from another chef, which is to save the cooking water that you cook your veggies in and to use that cooking water to cook rice, beans, and stock. I think that's kind of brilliant. (laughs) I think I might actually try that. Now, I mostly steam my veggies, so I'm really curious, which is better, cooking veggies in water or steaming them? I think you can go either way. And as I said, it really depends on the strength of your digestion. Some people can't eat raw foods because their digestion just isn't strong enough. So steaming them will help to ease digestion again because the vegetables have been heated up a little bit. Some of the fibers have been broken down. You can take that water and you can actually use that water to then like make a nice broth 
and it's got some of the vitamins in it that you've lost in those steamed vegetables. All that extra stuff, right? <laughs> exactly. So good. Now, you gave up drinking coffee. Now, some people say, I could never do that. Why did you do that? And how hard was that for you to do? <laughs> okay. So it's so hard that I still have coffee. Okay, good. <laughs> I've gone back and forth with the coffee thing. And what I realized is one cup of coffee in the morning for me is okay. And it doesn't keep me up at night. And if I have more than one cup of coffee, then I have all of those problems. So it's not necessarily all or nothing. Sometimes it's about just the quantity. Yeah. I'm not a food expert, but I have to wonder if someone wants to go from that quote unquote standard American diet, if you will, and we have listeners all around the world. So we're just using a generic diet here and they want to go to a raw food diet. How hard is that to go to it immediately? Should there be some sort of a transition? Can you give us some tips to get us started and keep us on track and have success if this is the direction we want to go because it feels good? I would say start slow and build up because if you're eating a lot of super refined foods and you go to all raw, you might be in the bathroom more than you like. (laughs) (laughs) That was nicely put. It's really, really good to start slow and build up. I mean, some people, if you're young and you have a really strong digestive system, you might be able to just like go cold turkey, but I wouldn't recommend it. And also, I think it's really hard. I'm not completely raw and I'm not completely vegan either, which some people are kind of shocked to hear. It's really about finding that balance. I love food. I love flavors. So, you know, my husband's from Switzerland, which is the land of cheese, right? And chocolate. (laughs) And chocolate, (laughs) right, right. So I do think that it's all about balance and it's all about listening to your body and making sure that you feel good about, you know, what you're eating. So what foods do you eat that would not be considered raw? I mean, do you eat fish, chicken? Do you ever have pork or beef? I mean, or are you completely off of that? I'm curious. Yes. So I'm not completely off of anything. Oh, good. When we go to Switzerland, I have cheese. Once in a while, my husband will bring home a really nice piece of cheese and I will eat it. If I go to my parents' house and it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or, you know, my dad who's 89 and he decides he wants to cook a chicken for everybody, I'm not going to sit down and say, oh, dad, no, I'm not eating your food. Right. I just am like, okay, I appreciate what you've done for me. I will eat it, but it's not something that I would choose to eat if I'm cooking for my family or if I'm having friends over and I make a vegan meal, I hope that they'll be as respectful to me as I am with my dad. Well, it's good to know you're not completely 100% and it's probably all about moderation, I'm guessing, as well as to that balance of the raw foods and incorporating other foods. What is the best part of running not only your plant-based business, but your own business, period? Honestly, seeing my customers and seeing how happy they are with what I'm putting out. For me, that's the most rewarding is when I get an email or we get a positive review on our website and people are like, I'm so happy I found you. This is amazing food. We love what you're doing that is the highest praise that I could get. Absolutely. Well, I know when I was looking at your website, which by the way is newsly118.com, that's N-U-S-S-L-I 118.com. I saw many things on there that I definitely want to try. 
But of course, people can also go to your store, which is in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and you can check out the delicious products there. You can also check them out online. I imagine you ship anywhere to in the country, I hope. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh, wonderful. Angela, it's been a pleasure to hear your story today, both about Newsly 118, but also how you made that transition from one chapter as an architect to being an entrepreneur, having your own business. You are an inspiration to so many, and I thank you for sharing that with us today. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share my story. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And thanks to all of you for listening. And remember, just as good health is a journey, so too is living your best life. And that does include dessert. (laughs) Until next time, (laughs) be well. And I really mean it when I say be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.